now with the latest from the world of technology. This is the Tech Guide podcast with Stephen Fennick. Let's jump straight in. Tech Guide. This was a real effort to push into that growing consumer space, very competitive space in Australia. Tech Guide. It does give the user plenty of options, whether you're working or viewing content on the device. Keeping you updated and educated. This is the Tech Guide podcast. Knowing Apple, you just don't know what to expect. Tech Guide. They've gone from taking an excellent device and they've made it even better. It's had a redesign inside and out. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening and thanks for downloading. This is Tech Guide, episode 199. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Hello and welcome, and for you first-time listeners, thanks for joining us. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of the website techguide.com.au. On this week's show, we're going to talk about why your 4K TV might not be able to play 4K discs. Ingogo, the taxi booking app, introduces fixed fares And we take a step inside the electric canvas that's the company behind Vivid. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to look at the Garmin 4Runner 735 XT Sports GPS Watch. We also check out the LG Stylus Dab Plus smartphone, which has a built-in digital radio. And we'll also listen to the Jabra's Halo Fusion earphones. And we'll finish it off with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products. And Norton, the company to help keep you, your family and your devices safe online. Lots to talk about, so let's get cracking. Well, I have to say there is a fair amount of excitement if you do own a 4K television, especially with the recent news of the first 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray players and the first wave of 4K Blu-ray discs as well. The first wave of movies are already out. Now, you'd be pretty excited if you were one of these early adopters who already owns a 4K television. But if you bought your 4K TV in 2013 and even in early 2014, I've got some bad news for you. Your TV might not be able to play 4K discs. Now, this is an issue that I've discovered when connecting the 4K, Samsung's 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray player, to my equipment here in the Tech Guide offices. I connected it to an LG 4K television. And I also connected it as part of my home theater setup. Now, the issue that we're facing here, and if your 4K TV is more than two years old, there is an issue here, and it's all due to a copy prevention technology called HDCP 2.2. That's short for High Bandwidth Digital Content Protection. And what that has been created to do is to protect movies from being copied. Now, this is a copyright technology, as I mentioned, and devices without HDCP 2.2 will be unable to play 4K discs. So, and, and I'm not talking just 4K televisions. I'm also talking AV receivers and also sound bars. The thing with HDCP is that the whole chain of devices need to be compliant with this with this technology. 
Now, it, the reason for that, there needs to be a digital handshake along all of those devices for you to successfully play 4K movies on disc. Now, the issue here is that if you were one of the early adopters who decided 4K is for me, and back in 2013, early 2014, when we saw the first 4K Ultra HD TVs appear, you could possibly be in a position where your television does not have the HD CP 2.2 compliance. And the issue with that is, well, normally would say, okay, we'll do a firmware update and we'll get it to that compliance. Well, not the case with HDCP 2.2. This is a hardware issue. So your HDMI ports, your soundbar, your AV receiver has to be HDCP compliant. And a firmware upgrade is not going to do that. So for those of you who have already invested in a 4K TV and want to watch 4K movies, thinking maybe of buying a player, then you'd really need to check your TV, your AV receiver if you're using one, even your soundbar if you're using one of those as well, has this HD CP 2.2 compliance. Now, I discovered this this issue myself over the weekend when I, I was trying to connect the Samsung K8500 Blu-ray player to my home theater setup. And I got this error message that read, this content will be played in HD because the display device and or the HDMI input port do not support HD CP 2.2. Change the display device and or the HDMI input port and try again. Now imagine my horror where I've spent a fair bit of money on my home theater system. I also have a 4K projector and a brand new AV receiver. Now imagine what I'm thinking that this expensive setup here that I've got specifically to play 4K content is now not compatible. Well, what I decided to do was to find the ch the link in the chain. Remember I said that you needed to have HDCP all the way through your system. So what the, my next job here was to find out which part of my chain was it the receiver. Is it Am I plugging in into the wrong HDMI port? Usually there is one designated HDMI port that has HDCP 2.2 support. Take a look on the back of your 4K TV if you own one, and you should find one port that has that designation. If you can't see it on the TV, that doesn't mean it not, might not necessarily be there. Best check the specs online. In, in my case, I've got a Sony 4K projector, and it has two HDMI ports for... To, to connect to the system. Now, I checked online the specs for my Sony 4K projector, which isn't a cheap projector, I have to say, and I was relieved to find that the that HDMI port 2, it says in black and white in the specifications, is compatible with HDCP 2.2. So I ticked that box. That, that wasn't the culprit. I went back to the receiver and tried, I was originally plugging the, the Samsung Blu-ray player into the front HDMI port, and I thought that maybe that had, this had a designated HDMI 1 port, which was uh, what, where the Blu-ray is connected, as being the HDCP port, the, the HDMI input. Now, 
this this AV receiver, and I, I won't. I'm still investigating whether there is a possibility of it being HDCP. I, I don't want to give you the brand name because I do intend to write about this system, but uh, and you'll find out then what the brand name is. But there is a possibility that there could be a, a hardware upgrade that's available for this system. So I, I tr- tried it through HDMI port one, and no good. So what I ended up doing, I looked on the back of the Samsung HD 4K Blu-ray player and found that there were two HDMI outputs on the back. One, HDMI one was the main output, and the second was an audio-only output. And I thought, okay, I think I found the solution here because all I needed to do because at present the receiver wasn't uh, didn't appear to have HDCP compatibility, so I needed to bypass the receiver. So I then connected the, my projector directly to HDMI port 1, and that allowed that video signal to pass between the player and the compatible input of the projector. And because the receiver only handles audio, this is a video issue after all, the HDCP is only a video issue. Because the receiver only handles audio and directs the, the sound to the right speakers, I could connect the second HDMI port from the Samsung Blu-ray player to my receiver. So that was the problem solved. So I've found a solution. If you are in the same situation, you've got a home theater setup, it may be possible to bypass the receiver. That's the reason there's two HDMI ports on the back of the Samsung 4K player. I understand the Panasonic 4K player due out later this year also has two ports. On my other TV, my other 4K UHD TV, it's a 2015 LG 65-inch TV. That connected no problem. I connected into any of my HDMI ports, and it worked fine. Now, what about if you're in a situation where your TV is not cannot play HDCP 2.2? It doesn't have that compatibility, but you've already invested in a player and maybe some movies. Well, there is a device that's available, uh, a, a HDMI splitter, uh, I've put a link on my story on Tech Guide. It's called the HD Fury. Now, this is a device by a company called Integral, which can actually get around the HDCP 2.2 issue. But you better get in fast if you do do need this device because there because it it gets around HDCP. It could actually get around that copyright the copyright protection, which is the reason why HDCP works in the first place. So Intel, which is the company that came up with HDCP 2.2, and the studios, of course, are lobbying to have this device banned. So if you are stuck with a TV that's only two years old, two and a half years old, and does not have HDCP 2.2 compatibility, this could be your only solution short of you going to buy a new expensive 4K TV. So what if you're in the situation now where you're looking to buy a 4K TV or a 4K projector or an AV receiver? Now you know what to look for. If you are going out and setting up a 4K system and want to play 4K movies on disc, then HDCP 2.2 is what you need to look for. So make sure your TV is compatible with that, your AV receiver is compatible with that, although I've described a way around the receiver situation with what I just described with my setup here. And just make sure that everything ticks the box. Now, if all the major brands, the 2016 models of TVs, would all have HDCP 2.2. I'm not sure, though, if other brands like Kogan, TCL, Hisense, these other, these other lesser-known brands that offer value uh, over price, I don't know whether they are compatible. So it might be worth a phone call or doing some research on the internet to see whether they are HDCP 2.2 compatible. 
Don't get caught out. Make sure your devices are compatible to this new format, especially if you want to watch 4K. If you're not interested in 4K, by the way, if you're just happy with Blu-ray, full HD, then you can completely disregard this HDCP 2.2 issue. But if you do want to watch 4K, and let's face it, you buy a 4K TV to watch 4K content, then this is going to be an issue. You need to really check all the devices that's going to be in your chain of, uh, of components there, make sure they're HDCP 2.2 compatible. I've written a, a story on Tech Guide, complete with pictures, so you know exactly what to look for, and so you can make sure you're not caught out. And if you are, there's a solution to get around it. You can read that story at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Now, the taxi industry's uh, been battling lately, especially against uh, services like Uber, uh, and the, 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 this battle continues, and one of the apps that's been around for a little while, it's a taxi booking app called Ingogo, has been one of those, it was a bit of a game changer when it was introduced because it allowed you to not only to book your taxi, so you enter all the information through the app, but once a driver accepted your fare, you could then see that, that car, that taxi, on a map as it as it approaches you. So you can see exactly where it's located, exactly how far away it is, so you know exactly when it's going to arrive. Well, this week, Ingogo announced something new that's a bit of a game changer, I think, for the taxi industry, and that is fixed fares. So now when you place a booking through Ingogo, you enter your destination details, number of passengers, and all that information, And once you then uh, make that booking, you'll receive an estimate of the fare. Well, not an estimate. That will be the fare you pay. And then once you accept that booking, the driver's dispatched, and now there'll be no more looking at the meter to see how much you're up for. You'll know before the taxi even arrives what the fare is going to be. Now, what Ingogo does, apart from giving you an easy way to pay your fare too, by the way, you can link a credit card to Ingogo. So at the end of your journey, it's simply you can just hit pay and it just pays through the Visa card that, or the MasterCard, whatever credit card you've got linked to that account. So no, no worrying, worries about being caught short of cash because it's linked to your credit card. So what, what, what they've done now is they've created an algorithm that looks at a few different things to determine that fare. One would be obviously the distance. Uh, the second thing would be the time it will take to reach your destination based on the current traffic conditions. So if you're catching a taxi at peak hour, of course it's going to be a bit more expensive than a cab caught in the middle of the day. So that takes that into account. But you still get to see the fare that you are going to pay before the cab even arrives, before you accept the fare you know going in what you're up for. So no nasty surprises. Uh, it's gonna, uh, the taxi driver is going to find the fastest route for you as well. That's your right as a passenger in the taxi. So no more mysteries about what you're up for. You'll know before you get in the cab how much it's going to cost. I think that, that, that's uh, going to look, be looked upon favorably by customers. It's just one, one other level of uncertainty taken away from the whole situation. And you're not going to come up in a situation where, like Uber, if you're trying to get a cab in the from the city on a Friday night, Uber has a little thing called surge pricing, which basically means because it's so busy, we've got the right to charge you more for the same journey. You're not going to get that with a taxi. You're not going to get that through Ingogo. So another reason for you to stick with the cabs and get that estimated fare, that fixed fare, so you know exactly what you're up for. You want to read more about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. 
Now, it's not long now before we see the Vivid Festival in Sydney once again, and this is uh, is sponsored by Intel, and I'll talk a little bit more about Intel uh, based on what I saw at the company, the main company behind this amazing festival of light and music. For those who have never heard of Vivid, have never seen Vivid, it is the uh, it is on Sydney Harbour and around the Sydney Sydney CBD, and it's the illumination of various iconic buildings around the city, and of course, namely the Sydney Opera House. The sails of the Sydney Opera House are a beautiful canvas for Vivid, as is Customs House, as is the Museum of, Museum of Contemporary Art, uh, and various other buildings around Sydney. I think I think there's also going to be some buildings in Chatswood and a bridge they're going to make disappear in Chatswood, which sounds really exciting. Well, it's all good to take a look at all that beauty on the night, and it kicks off on May 27 and goes all the way through to June 18. But the company behind it is named The Electric Canvas, and I actually dropped into their office to see how they put this together. Now, you can imagine this is a company that owns a lot of projectors. The uh, managing director of the company is a gentleman by the name of Peter Milne, and he first saw these projection, this architectural projection many years ago uh, back in, uh, in Paris. He was at the Eiffel Tower and noticed a projector, a PG projector, which is a French projector that actually uses a slide, like a film slide, to make the image it's projecting look animated. And Peter Milne saw this and was captivated, and all these years later, he's still in the game. He decided, wow, this is amazing, this is incredible, this is what I want to do, because Peter at the time was a lighting designer, production designer, so he had an interest in this space. Now, the company that he formed, the Electric Canvas, has grown and grown, and they've had work not only here in Australia. They worked on the Sydney opening and closing ceremonies, the Paralympics, the Rugby World Cup. They've also done international events like the Singapore National Day, Sochi Winter Olympics, the East Asia Games. So they are very experienced for for these architectural projections. This is what they call projection mapping which allows them to put these precise projections on the building. So we popped down there. If I've, I've done a video. I, I actually shot an interview with him, a video interview with Peter. You can see that on my story at techguide.com.au. But I, I basically had a, had a look inside the company, how they come up with the designs, how it's planned. Uh, they own more than 100 high-powered projectors. And I'm not talking these little home theater projectors. I'm talking massive industrial projectors like a couple of meters long with lenses longer than your arm that can shoot, that have a, have a throw length of about 500 meters. Uh, Peter described the fact that going out to, to map all of these buildings requires some pretty intense research, some pretty intense survey equipment. They use laser survey equipment to not only map the buildings, but also to map the street furniture, the poles, to not only come up with the precise projection for the building, but also the precise locations to position the projectors. The Sydney Opera House is made up of about seven or eight different projectors beaming light onto those magnificent sails. Uh, 
uh, he just took me through his uh, his company, his, uh, his his store in Chatswood. It's it's a warehouse setup where he's got all his projectors stored, all his lenses stored, and of course all all his other staff there. Not only creating on Intel powered Macs and Intel powered SSD drives, but not only creating it, but also at the site. When Vivid is actually on, these projections you see are being sent through Intel-powered laptops and Intel-powered SSD, that's solid-state drives. He's also moving into 4K, so that creates all new workflows and quadruples the amount of memories required because, as we know, 4K is four times the resolution of full high-definition. So it was a fascinating look around his warehouse and his office to see. He's got a staff of 10. I think that grows when Vivid gets closer. But they use computer-aided design to come up with the patterns, the shapes, and the laser survey information creates a 3D map Then that gives them the precise dimensions for those particular projections. And they are nothing short of incredible. The electric canvas, you want to read about my little tour behind the scenes and watch our video that we shot with Peter Mill. Now, a little video interview and little guided tour through his company. It's a fascinating look and also a fascinating read. You can catch that at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenning. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand, and they're introducing the Arlo Q. This is an AC-powered 1080p high-definition camera. It's got audio and enhanced night vision that lets you see and hear in perfect detail. The Arlo Q is designed to deliver the best experience indoors. It is constantly powered, and it comes with two-way audio, so you can listen and talk back and forth. That means you can pop in to see how things are going at home while you're out so you can set motion alerts to let you know if anything moves and you can also use seven days of free cloud storage to store a video record of all your events online netgear's arlo it's got every angle covered for more information visit arlo.com.au forward slash au tech guide now a tech guide review with stephen fennett All right, this week we're kicking off the reviews with a look at the Garmin Forerunner 735 XT. This is a smart sport GPS watch. Now, if you're serious about your training, you might be a triathlete, a marathon runner, half marathon runner, not all of the smart watches will suit your needs. Yes, there are exercise options and ways to track your heart rate and count your steps, but they're more smart devices rather than sport devices. And what Garmin's come up with with the Forerunner 735 XT is a device, a sleek-looking watch that's more about the training. Yeah, there's some smarts to it, but it does deliver what high-end athletes, what serious athletes are after. Now, this is a lightweight, multi-sport watch. It's got a really sleek design. It's got comfortable silicon bands, a large color display, so you can view all your stats no matter what you're doing. If bright sunlight, if you're in the middle of a training session, it's really easy to read the screen. It's also got wrist-based heart rate monitoring as well. So you can see your resting heart rate throughout the day and your heart rate, which is pretty accurate, 
uh, from your wrist as well during your training session. Now, what it can do, it's got built-in activities so that you can you can monitor things like when you go for a run, when you're on a bike, even when you're swimming, hiking, cross-country skiing, strength training, paddling on a kayak, even cardio work. And I did mention swim, which means it's waterproof. This is waterproof to a depth of 50 meters. That's another feature that your regular smartwatches do not have is that uh, water being waterproof. But uh, with the, the Forerunner 735 XT, that certainly delivers in that department. The Elevate heart, Wrist Heart Rate technology lets you have pretty accurate heart rate monitoring without having to wear a chest strap. A lot, a lot of trainers wear a chest strap, syncs with Bluetooth to their watch, and that's all well and good, not for everyone, uh, but the, this provides that wrist-based heart rate monitoring. If you do want to wear a chest strap, though, the Garmin can, can utilize that product to give you not only a secondary heart rate reading, but also other data like stride length, ground contact time and balance, and your vertical ratio. So if you're a serious trainer and you want to dive even deeper to get more information, you can wear a chest strap and use it for those things I just mentioned. It's also, if you're a cyclist, it's also compatible with vector pedal-based power meter systems and also the full lineup of Varia cycling awareness accessories. So there is that compatibility across the board with those other products. And it is fully waterproof, so you can swim as long long as you want with this device and then when you're done and you want to have a look at all your information it connects with Garmin's excellent Connect IQ browser and their app and lets you see how you're going you can track your workouts it even tracks your sleep if you want to wear it to bed and you can join online challenges you know take on your friends and uh, and uh, get them to get them to see if they can beat your stats you can also download apps custom apps free watch faces and it can also, when paired to your smartphone, give you notifications and about your incoming calls, your text messages, emails, calendar reminders, you name it, you'll see it. Now, on the battery side, it has a battery. If you're using GPS, and that, that's a real battery sucker, a real battery cruncher, uh, battery lasts about 14 hours. But in just training mode, regular regular mode, sorry, watch mode, your battery's going to last about 11 days. Quite a difference. Now, the Garmin 4Runner 735 XT is available with, with either a black and grey strap or a midnight blue and frost strap. It's priced at $699. And if you want to read our story, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Okay, let's talk smartphones. And in this case, uh, it's another LG device, the Stylus Dab Plus. Now, the go-to feature, the hero feature on this device, and it's got a 5.7-inch high-def screen. It's got a 1.2 gigahertz quad-core processor. It's also got a stylus, which I'll talk about in a minute. It's not. This has got a 5.7-inch screen, so it's not small. It's got 15. Point, it's 15.5 centimeters long, eight centimeters wide, but it's only 7.4 millimeters thick. Weighs about 145 grams, so decent-sized phone. But it's only priced at 449 bucks, which is decent value going in. But as I said, the killer feature of this device is the fact that it's got a built-in digital radio. 
Now, listening to the radio is nothing new on a smartphone. You can do it through the TuneIn radio app. You can do it through individual radio stations apps. But the thing that it's chewing through to get you that signal is data. Because it is streaming it through the network to your device, you are using data. And I'm talking up to 40 megabytes per hour, between 30 and 40 meg per hour of data of you listening to the radio. So if you're listening to the radio often on the go through your phone, that's going to have a serious impact on your monthly mobile data allowance. But with the LG Stylus Dab Plus, there's a digital tuner built in. So you are receiving the signal as you would, as your car would, or as a, a portable radio would. So you're you, you're receiving the signal through the air, the actual radio signal. It's not being streamed to you and using data. There is no data being used whatsoever. So you can listen all day long, all month long, and it will have no impact on your mobile data allowance. There's also an FM radio tuner on board as well, so you can hear FM radio. We should point out, digital radio doesn't work everywhere. It's mainly in capital cities, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth and Adelaide. If you live outside of these areas, if you're in regional areas, the tuner, the digital tuner won't work. This is really for folks in those areas, those metropolitan capital cities, but the FM radio should work anywhere, anyway. You do get a pair of headphones, earphones with the device, and they act as your antenna. There's also the possibility of listening to the, to the radio out loud, uh, but you still need to have your antenna connected, the headphones connected, so that it does act as your antenna. Now, what I... There's a few things I didn't like about this, I think, but with the digital radio being the key feature of the phone, I was a little disappointed that the app wasn't wasn't better than what it was. The app wasn't very intuitive. Uh, it, it took a little while to find out how to turn it off, and it just really didn't feel like a lot of a lot of time was given to it. I think it, for it being the hero feature of the phone. I really expected the the app to be super slick, super easy to use, and super intuitive. Unfortunately, it wasn't. I could still listen to the radio okay, but just the experience wasn't as smooth as it should be. The FM radio app was actually better, I thought. That, that was sort of a little, little bit more logical. It allowed you to uh, seek different radio stations, move up, cycle up and down the cycle. Not so with the digital radio. There was just a list of stations that you just had to select on the go. Uh, and and that was that. But still, digital radio was great, and again, not using data, which is a big plus. So overall, radio functionality is good, but it could have been even better. Now, the other half of this name is stylus. There is a stylus connected to this device, and it allows you to, once you pop out the stylus, all these little shortcuts come up whether you want to write a little memo, write on a, a captured uh, screenshot, whether you want to uh, jot, jot down some quick memos, some quick notes. The stylus is surprisingly responsive, I have to say, uh, and, and up, I think, with the Samsung Note stylus. It, it, it was that good. So if if that, that that does help, if you want to take some notes, that side of it I thought was uh, was pretty impressive. Uh, on the camera side, there's a 13 megapixel rear camera and a front 8 megapixel selfie camera. It's got a 3,000 milliamp hour battery. One of the last remaining phones that I can see that's got a, still got an accessible battery. You sort of peel off the back cover and there's the battery. That's how you put in your SIM card. And if you want to have a micro SD card, you can pop that in there as well. But 3,000 milliamp hour battery is long enough 
enough for you to uh, to listen to radio and use it in your normal day-to-day usage with your emails and surfing and connecting and all that sort of thing, calling. That'll last all day with ease. The LG Stylus Dab Plus, priced at $449. You can read our complete review at techguide.com.au. Okay, rounding out the reviews for this week is the Jabra Halo Fusion earphones. Now, I'm a fan of Jabra, I have to say. I train every day with my my Jabra Sport Coach Bluetooth earphones, which I quite like. These, uh, the Jabra Halo Fusion are also Bluetooth speakers, or earphones, I should say. Now, the Jabra Sports Coach are built rugged, so you can wear them to the gym and uh, wear them running so they can handle your sweat. The Halo Fusion designed for on-the-go usage not I don't think particularly for exercise because they're 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 not built they're not built as durable as the sport coach earphones but these are meant to be your all-day earphones so you can whether you're listening to music on the go whether you're making calls and receiving calls they they can just be sitting there ready to go they're called the halo fusion because there is a bit of a band like a little halo you wear on your neck so that sits on top of your neck the earphones then can be positioned in your ears uh, at your leisure when you're not when your earphones aren't sitting in your ears they can just rest on your chest so the halo the little band the neck band keeps them in place it's very hard if you you just got earphones to keep them balanced on your neck they sometimes slip off you normally got to put them in your pocket but with the halo fusion you can keep them comfortably in place all day long they only weigh 21 grams so you're not even going to feel them on there the controls are also on the neck band as well for volume for to navigate to pair your phone answer calls uh, end calls they're all those one touch controls are all on the neck band itself uh, the earphones also have a, a noise isolation silicon tip, so that does keep out a little bit of noise. They do uh, have a built-in battery. They are Bluetooth, as I mentioned, up to uh, 19 hours standby time, six and a half hours of talk time. So that, that includes music as well. So you could easily, uh, from morning to night, be listening to music or making calls, and this will last all the way through. In terms of audio quality, these are $99.95. So don't think that these are going to sound better than the Bose QC20s. They're not, but they do sound pretty impressive for the price. You're getting a decent sound pretty nice clarity decent bass for under a hundred bucks i think they do punch above their weight in terms of the value that you're going to get uh the phone calls also were very clear through the jabra halo fusion as well the halo fusion earphones i've got pictures and my review at techguide.com.au check it out they're a handy set of headphones and that review again is at techguide.com.au Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Now, when you think about it, there are lots of valuable stuff that we store on our computers. They might be family photos, videos, maybe tax documents, work documents. But what would you do if all of a sudden it was gone? If it was encrypted and impossible to retrieve? Well, 
that's ransomware. That's a malware that locks you out of your own files and then demands you pay up or lose access to those files forever. Ransomware is on the rise here in Australia. In fact, Australia is now the most targeted country for ransomware attacks in the Southern Hemisphere. Don't be a victim. Norton Security Premium is a powerful internet security solution that can help keep you safe from ransomware by identifying and warning you against the dodgy files before you click and backing up all your files from your PC to the cloud. So there's always a copy if anything goes awry. To learn more about how to protect your online life, visit au.norton.com. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk this week, we're going to talk about two-step authentication. I'm sure you may have heard the term, but it is a way to secure your online accounts even further, whether it's your Apple ID, whether it's your Google account, uh, your your cloud account, there are there is two-step authentication to help make it near impossible for anyone to crack your account. Now, you might cast your mind back a couple of years ago when there was an attack on iCloud. A lot of celebrity pictures were hacked from from uh, the, from iCloud. Now. They were hacked not because the iCloud had any vulnerability. It's just that they, that a lot of these these cyber criminals, they because they were celebrities, they did know a lot about them. Uh, there's there's a way to crack a crack a password by using security questions. So being so famous, a lot of these people knew what was Jennifer Lawrence's first high school or Jennifer Lawrence's mother's name or. Uh, any any other celebrity who had their accounts compromised, these these brute force attacks allowed these people to hack their accounts. Now, if they had two-step authentication, that wouldn't be the case. Now, what is two-step authentication? Two-step authentication is where you need two forms of verification before an account is is open for you to view. So it's one thing to type in a password, if you do that with a two-step authentication account, so you'll type in a password and hit enter, and then the second half of the authentication is a code number that's sent to your mobile device. So once you've typed in your password, only you have your mobile device, you will receive a six-digit passcode to enter to get into your Apple ID account, your Google account, your Gmail account, so that you can rest assured that you are secure, so there's no one trying to get into your files, unless they've got your password and your phone to read that to that, that secondary code, your files are absolutely safe. It is a little bit more inconvenient. You've got to wait for a message, type in a code. But would you rather wait a few seconds and know that your stuff is secure or not wait, possibly risk your files, risk your privacy by having just a password, which unless it's a really strong, really solid password, these cyber criminals are probably going to crack them. Worth a thought, two-step authentication. If you want to keep all your files safe, that is what we recommend. And that's our show for this week, episode 199. You can read about everything we've talked about, by the way, at techguide.com.au. That's our website. And also, if you want to get in touch with us, maybe ask us a question for the Tech Guide Help Desk, you can send us an email at info at 
techguide.com.au. Before we sign off, I want to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thanks very much for listening. It's been a pleasure having you with us once again. We look forward to you joining us again next week for episode 200. So until then, though, stay safe and stay connected. 